Welcome to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And today we are in a celebratory mood. That's for sure. Things are yeah, looking up, Tony. They're looking it's, up. There's hope. It's the, it's the, well, it's exactly. It's that moment when people are actually beginning to have celebrations. They're not having a wedding of four people. Because <laughs> we saw a lot of that, right? I mean, that's yes, yes. This, yes. this is a, this is a firmly time-stamped program. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, that's that that there are some restrictions being lifted, and people are beginning to celebrate. And you see a little bit larger groups, and you see um, weddings going on, and graduations, and birthdays, and and left over yeah i was gonna say and people celebrating things that they missed right last year for sure so i'm spending all of my energy helping people organize their their celebrations Mm -hmm. so i thought we should have a conversation and talk about what makes a celebration what makes a celebratory menu what makes it for different events what what makes it for you what makes something a celebration well i had one last night so I can tell you that what we all uh, we celebrated one of my very best friends birthday last night at the restaurant where I work and it's rare that I get to sit down there and that was a, a wonderful thing and wonderful to be with this friend on his birthday and there were seven of us um, and we all spoke about the most important thing for his and it was his 50th birthday so it was a significant birthday for him the most important thing to him was that we were all there with him. And that's what it comes and we're around the table because he 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 really he's a very very good cook he's one of my favorite cooks he is a catholic priest um but he was a cook prior to becoming a priest and um he's cooked for me at times when i was sick and times when i really needed that nurturing thing that is food and the spirit of being around the people that you love and, and he just said over and over again, you know, I wouldn't have eaten anywhere, but here you're cooking. And I, I, I would, I am, he was so happy that I was able to sit down with them and that his sister came all the way from Ohio. And it was really very special. And that was it, you know, that we were all together. And that is what we obviously have all been missing for over a year. And that's not good for us as human beings. We, we need to be together. And we need that time to to celebrate and or to do whatever needs to be done and just to be together so i'm i'm i i was absolutely reminded of that last night and the celebration was wonderful you know the table was pretty there were flowers there was crystal there were there was good food there was great conversation there was laughter there were tears i mean we all cried at some point uh, at that table that night and I, I didn't mean, mean to be so mean to you guys. I, well, I wish you had stayed away, Tony, but, you know, we have to put up with you for the wine. But, you know, it's just. <laughs> wow. <laughs> put up. Yeah, put up with my wine. <laughs> so, hey, let's let, let's let's zero in on this a little bit. So what what you know, you, you, you zoomed right past the, the food and the wine of it. But right. It's it's treats. Oh, absolutely. What are those treats? When I mean, when when I was a kid. My my grandmother was the great entertainer, right? Mm-hmm. And she, she was yeah. always loved having parties, <laughs> and and I knew that there would be special treats. There would be food that wouldn't be prepared any of the time, mm-hmm. and it might be served in a different way from the, the way they were. Other there was more thought in it. Sure, there was a little bit of extra care, mm-hmm. and I think that regardless of the occasion, that's kind of what 
what makes it right yeah and wine to me i i mean and i think to a lot of the world is part of that meal part of that you know, it, it's part of the treats absolutely it's like I'm, I'm not just having a glass of something with you know tuesday's x dinner you know but it's i'm having a glass of champagne from a little grower that i know uh mousset and uh, the cuvee eugene uh, produced by um, uh, the grandson of a man named Lugen who planted all this Pinot Meunier that upset his neighbors and so on. Like the, there's, there's a long human history attached to what makes whatever this thing special that's landing in my glass that I'm sharing with someone else, you know? Just as, as with the food, there's a long human yeah. history. That's a very good way of saying it. And that long human history is our families, our, our, our legacy, it's everything. It might be someone else's work, you know, the... The, those tomatoes that I get this time of the year, unusually for you, hmm. I get from uh, a small Amish farmer, mm -hmm. and I always joke about them being the secret Amish tomatoes. <laughs> why, why are they secret? Because I'm not allowed to say where I go to get them. Sure. I'm not allowed to send anyone else. I'm not allowed to, <laughs> you right. know, I'm, I'm like the one vehicle that's driven on their property. I don't yeah. know why I get to do it. Uh, right. But they're magically good hothouse tomatoes. Right. It's such a gift this time of the year to have these tomatoes that are so delicious. You know, it's way before the season. But it's a methodology from 150 years ago. Mm -hmm. This guy's great grandfather, you know, and it's like there's a family of 14 and da, 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 like and it goes on and on. It, there's there's all of this, you know, humanity feeding together into one like moment to actually celebrate being human. And that's what that's what those celebrations are. It's that moment. You know, it's maybe it's the wedding, maybe it's the birthday, maybe it's the graduation. So uh, I wanted to bounce back and forth with you and we can do this coming up in segments, but let's do a couple of parties. Let's talk about how to put together a couple of parties. And maybe the first one, the easiest one is that that open house, you know, that that sort of cocktail party, walk around party. You know, I love the, those. You, you you have the people on your street over. Mm -hmm. Everyone got back. It's great. Wave your cart around. Walk in the door. Let <laughs> us hand you a glass of what, and pass trays of what. You know. So like so what for that at this moment in time? What's what's in your brain? What are you thinking? Well, those are my favorite kind of parties because if I'm having a party at my house, I'm doing the food. Okay. So if I'm doing it by myself, it needs to be <laughs> as easy as possible because I am supposed to be a part of the party, whether I necessarily want to or not. <laughs> I know that feeling. I know that feeling I, I very well. To, I prefer to hide in the kitchen and let them all just be together, but which is, you know, kind of, I don't even know what the word is, but anyway, in the end, and, and antisocial is the well, word. and I love people, so I don't know why I, I've always, but you know, I've always been like that. So, but anyway, so I mean, for me, I, I love a cocktail party because I can, you know, get things set up ahead of time. Not everything, because obviously the way that I work, I try to do everything at the last minute, a la minute, fresh, wonderful. But if you're smart, which frankly I am when it comes to food, I can figure out how to get a bunch of things done where I'm just popping it in the oven, it goes onto a tray and out it goes, or there's cold hors d'oeuvres set up. So, you know, let's say for, for like, I know they're about to come so I can put the ceviche together and put it in little bowls and put it on trays in the refrigerator. So it's ready to go. All it does, all I have to do with that is just take it out and serve it. Or you have a display, which is even better. You know, you could have cheese out. And I will tell you, I will warn you, if you don't, 
actually start to have the cheese at least cut a few slices, which is not the best thing for the cheese. So that's why we don't like to do that, <laughs> right? You know, it'll dry out. It'll start to affect the cheese. Or if it's an oozy cheese, you really don't want to start messing with it. Um, but I will tell you that people w will eat a lot more of your cheese if you actually cut some of it for them or continue to cut. Um, but I love cheese for a party. Um, you know, we have access to so many amazing cheeses from all, all over the world now. And to me, that's a real treat for people. With things that are basically, you know me, I like formulas of sorts. Mm -hmm. so it's, it's a build your own canopy situation. The simpler you make it, yeah. uh, the more successful it's going to be. So let's say it's cheese. Maybe you, maybe you um, have bought a nice camembert. Have it at the right temperature. Slice it in the right size slices. Have the toast that you want to serve it with. You know, maybe mm -hmm. it's that that uh, fennel raisin toast or, or just nice baguette that's been buttered and a little golden from the from the pan. And you have those laid out. You have the the slices of the cheese laid out. You have slices of uh, you know some relatively tart green apple laid out that's there and the wine for it mm -hmm. oh know, i like that the, the wine's maybe, right maybe, there maybe, yeah, they can pour it, for it, themselves oh i love literally that. you know me i'm a control yeah, freak no, you're you're well but that's that's smart you're always so good at planning parties i mean i don't we don't but, you know that's but, not how i work at work so it's very different it, it, but that, that there's that moment mm -hmm. you know that's 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 so when i when i think of that stuff especially at home or for that kind of an event you you don't need more than like five or six little moments, right? Right. You know, yeah. so then you, so you think, what is, is there one that's like, uh, and you can only do so many hot things. You only have so many appliances to cook hot things on for a party at home. Mm -hmm. Not the whole world doesn't have a tabletop fryer or something. You can't just, you know, right. The, pop those things out. Um, but, but I do think that putting, that having an idea of what those moments are, like if you know you want people, uh, it's it's an outside thing, and you want them to have a glass of rosé when they come in. You, you know me; I always think it's music and dancing. You have to think of it together. You were talking about ceviche, so if you have a nice Provençal rosé and maybe a, a tuna ceviche, and maybe it's a tuna ceviche that has a little garnish of uh, fingerling potato or something, uh, you know, or maybe it's on fingerling potato, almost like a canapé, mm -hmm. you know, and, mm -hmm. and and you have those past to have with a rosé right like boom they have a there's that moment well i think the other thing that's difficult about a stand-up party is you know how do they deal with utensils while they're standing there eating something while they may have a glass in their hand and that's that's complicated so that's another reason why like with the ceviche uh you're obviously going to need a spoon um so that you can get that wonderful acidity you know the fresh lemon and lime juice and all the uh, chopped uh, jalapeno cilantro onion product in with let's say shrimp um so you have to think about that and also is it like that's why things on things that they just pick up and eat are the really best hors d'oeuvres while people are standing up and trying to deal with all this stuff. Um, that's like, oftentimes I'll do soup. Um, and uh, that's another one that's easy. If you do it in a little espresso cup, they can just drink it and then, you know, put it down somewhere or have it taken back to the kitchen. Cold things I think are really important too. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a, that, and the, make the ability to make those little toasts and just build things on it. Maybe it's fresh ricotta and, uh, and, and raw fava beans or mm -hmm. uh, with, with some crunchy salt and a little olive oil. Now that's an easy, 
like pick it up it's going to cling to the ricotta <laughs> right you know and and you need a, a, a nice glass of vernaccia or something with that and you can still get away with the the rosé you know that's that good we talked about but cold things to pass that are that are exciting are helpful mm-hmm. so my grandmother had martha stewart's book entertaining oh yeah i think it came out like 1980 <laughs> or something like that right uh-huh. maybe awesome. 82. I can see her and standing so, on the cover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So of course she had it because she had this giant collection now, and and I loved her so much. I don't know that she actually read any of them, um, but there were there was an hors d'oeuvre that was snow peas, and piped inside was softened Saint Andre cheese, and I thought when I was a kid that was so clever, <laughs> to take a a crunchy sweet vegetable, you know, and fill it with a very mild, really decadent cheese. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great. That's fun. I, I, and I, it's funny. And I, and, I, and I made that for like even years ago at the Governor's Club when, when I was a kid. I made thousands of those dumb hors d'oeuvres. And every time I, I, I pulled the string on a snow pea to open it up so I could stuff it, mm-hmm. I thought to myself, you are an idiot. There is <laughs> <laughs> Because to do that for 20 people at home, great. Mm-hmm. To do that for 250 people, not so fun. No, not as much fun, but I did no. it to myself. But <laughs> yeah, that, that that was always like, man, that's just the easiest and perfect little thing. You literally just blanch the, the snow peas. And sugar peas would be fun to do it with as well. could be even mm-hmm. crunchier. Mm-hmm. And goat cheese that, would be good in there too. Yeah. You know, speaking of those moments, that's a nice, you want Chardonnay? Drink that Chardonnay, light mm-hmm. fresh Chardonnay, maybe a Chablis, something like that. You know, or something with no oak. Perfect with that little hors d'oeuvre. So, Sin, when we when we come back, maybe I'm let let me hit you up for probably like three hot hors d'oeuvres, and then let's then let's move on to to a brunch party after that. Okay, sounds that like work? fun. Yes. So more entertaining and celebrations on Formula Wolf on food and wine. Welcome back to Foreman Wolf on Food and Wine. This is Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're having parties. That's why we're all discombobulated, right? Mm-hmm. So, we're no, snacking. we're talking about celebrations. And uh, whether it's graduations or weddings or having a first, like, you know, post-ish COVID, post-pandemic uh, open house. <laughs> you know, I don't Please. know what. There's got to be. There's, there's going to be a term for that kind of party. <laughs> Uh-huh. You watch in a couple of years, yeah. But and we started to de- develop the idea of have having these, whether you think of it as a cocktail party or a walk around party or whatever it might be, uh, having sort of moments of food and wine that happen in them, mm-hmm. and, and and that you have a complete concept with it. But we talked about a couple of cold things. We talked about the snow peas with San Andre, and we talked about ceviche. So how about a couple of hot things for that party? Okay, so uh, right now we have asparagus, and one of my favorite hors d'oeuvres that we make is, and it's it's really not hard to make. Uh, we take a full sheet of puff pastry, and um, we wash it, meaning we brush it really with mascarpone, and we do dock it a little bit first. So dock it first with a fork, you know, maybe puncture it like eighteen times, 
all around. What that does is it keeps it from elevating too much. And then um, we put it, put the mascarpone, we do a little bit of salt and pepper, a little bit of fresh chives, and then we dot it with goat cheese and then lay out blanched asparagus spears. So you want, you know, the whole thing to be tender. Obviously the ends, the you should snap off those, those woody ends and then cut it so it's uniform and it looks pretty. And that's the other thing you really would like to have the asparagus be all the same size or at least close to size. Um, and for this, it should be small pieces. So we say pencil size asparagus and lay that out and then put a little bit of egg wash, sort of just brush the whole top of everything with a little egg wash and hit any of the corners of the pastry that hasn't doesn't have something on it, which should be the edge. And you want that pastry to become cold again, because when you're working with it, it will start to soften up. It, it, it softens up very quickly at room temperature. So once you're done, you know, have it on a piece of parchment paper and on a sheet pan and put it back in the refrigerator and let it become cold have your oven at 425 degrees. If you do have a convected oven, go ahead and turn it on low if that's possible, um, because it will like a convected oven. If not, it's fine in a still oven. And um, once it's nice and cold, put it in the oven. And it'll, it usually takes about eight to 10 minutes, but you want to go until it's golden brown. And it will start so, to rise, but the asparagus and the, the, the cheese will retard it from re rising all the way up. So you're talking about laying it out like a pizza, basically. Yes but it's a rectangle, right? And and it's, and don't forget to season it with salt and pepper. I mean, it really doesn't need anything else, um, but it's delicious. And then once it comes out and it's cooled down, then you can cut that into little squares and it, it makes a great past hors d'oeuvre. So you can, you can then just, you know, you have your, it's all done, it's cut into little squares, you still have it on a sheet pan or you divide it into two or three things that you're going to heat it up on and then just pop it in the oven right before you're serving it. Use a little spatula to take it off and, and put it on a passing on a serving tray that you either pass or you can put on a station and let people walk up and you know give them a utensil to take it off of. I will say it's it's easier to give them a little when you're passing it or even on a station to have a little fork to lift it off of the serving piece. So Antonio, I was thinking, you know, we had a beautiful you served a beautiful wine to our table last night. Um it was it was a white and it was so floral and just citrusy and so gorgeous what what was that wine would that go with the asparagus or what would you suggest with that with order that 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 grape and and one prominent italian white wine that's made with that grape the grape is garganega uh the the well-known uh, italian white wine is suave classico uh that's made with that grape suave is the asparagus match that's like on your list of like factoids of things to always put together that, that should be high on it. Asparagus, because it has strong flavor and it has a certain bitterness to it, uh, it doesn't do well with a lot of different wines. And some things seem very crisp, but they're not particularly. Um, yeah, suave, you know, it, it's it's funny. It's actually built more by tannin, which is which ends up with a little bit of a bitter finish. So the bitter cancels the bitter, basically, in, in, mm -hmm. in that. And it's not fruity in a way that is overt because think about it do, do you actually want something that um is like peaches and asparagus no that sounds kind of nasty right so right, right. You, you want something that has charm that floral character that you're talking that you're talking about that's that's a big piece of that the one that i gave you all is from a vineyard that's outside of suave classico uh from a producer named quintarelli and that that's in my opinion the best garaganaga it's from a little venue called Calde Merlo. And uh, 
Yeah, that's that's brilliant stuff and would be super worth that hors d'oeuvre. Oh, it was so, so beautiful. It was just absolutely a treat to drink that wine. Is that expensive or not? It is far and away the cheapest of their wines. Okay. Um, Okay. But it is far and away the most expensive of anyone's Garganaga bottlings, pretty much. Okay. All right. Um, uh, very good producer. Like if you find a producer, Gini, G-I-N-I, uh, out in the world, or Piropan, uh, those are excellent producers, or Pra, P-R-A. Uh, those are excellent producers of uh, Suave Classico that are not crazy money. They should be maybe in the low 20s. How about another hot hors d'oeuvre? How about something... We've covered some veggies, and we covered a little bit of seafood with the ceviche. So how about something with some meat? I, I love... How about some pinchos? Okay. All right. So it's, Those are easy. They're so easy. Yeah, they are. Ab absolutely. So I love Madras curry, and I like the idea of doing a chicken hors d'oeuvre um, off the grill, obviously, and... Um, just hitting it, getting some good wood smoke into it. So therefore the the curry needs to be minimal. You don't need a lot of it. Um, but Madras curry has such a beautiful tone to it. It definitely has a lot of turmeric in it. Um, but it's, it's, it's sort of the, the more flowery of curries rather than the sort of cumin based, you know, rich and, and masculine and, and really intense curries. So I, I like, that with chicken because obviously it's a mild flavored meat. Um, it, bird, it's more it, it's it's more soprano than tenor. Right. So um, just a, a little bit of uh, corn oil and the curry mixed together, rubbed with salt and pepper, and rubbed onto the the little pieces of chicken, and skewer them and grill them, and that's so easy for people. And then if you do a little bit of yogurt with cucumber, like a really fine brunoise of cucumber and a little bit of black pepper in the yogurt, I mean to be able to dip it in that. Um, or to dip it in, I mean, you could use a lot of things to dip. You could do an ahi with that as well, or a salsa verde, something like that, anything like that. And avocado would also be very, very good with that. So you could have like a little avocado accompaniment, maybe chopped avocado with a little bit of fresh lime and lemon and cilantro, and because the cilantro will go really well with the curry, and um, a little bit of oil and salt and pepper. And everybody, I mean, I don't know anybody that just doesn't love avocado. I think that would be nice. Well, pinchos as a formula is a very easy, right? Because you're talking about something where you, you you've already cut the whatever the protein is in, in small pieces, bite-sized pieces before you start. You seasoned everything. You may, perhaps you're marinating it like the chicken. You know, may, mm -hmm. maybe it's maybe it's lamb that you're marinating with garlic and rosemary, and uh, and and you just grill like the chicken. You grill a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. um, and you, it's funny, pincho is it's the idea of, of, you know, basically meat on a stick, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, you use that spear, the pala, uh, to spear it. But if you're doing 40 or 50 pieces, one, you have pretty good economy in that. Yeah. Because it's not a huge, it, it may be like a half an ounce of protein per, per spear, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's very easy to lay them on a tray i mean you can make a little forest of the spears you know and and a little like tangle of mint leaves or something over like it's it's really not that difficult to make something really cute really quickly put a container whatever it's to be dipped in in the center of the tray and you're done right that, that's for the person who is not adept to decoration who doesn't want to sp spend a whole lot of time cooking you're talking about you know 
two, three minutes tops, right? So Right. And as you said, it's inexpensive. Just buy good chicken. That's the only thing I would say to you. I mean, it always comes down to it's only going to be as good as the quality of product that you buy. And, um, you know, they have smart chickens out there now. Those are really available in groceries. Um, you can buy some of D'Artagnan's products in the groceries, uh, or you can even order it online. So there's, there's, there's outlets for you to buy really good product in the grocery or online. So uh, that makes it, that's going to make that chicken even better because you're working with a high quality product. One of the other things you could do is make little kebabs. Um, so that idea is, utilizing ground meat, which is extremely inexpensive, and mixing it, and and uh, you have to put a little bit of egg and breadcrumb in in order to make it adhere to the sword. So I don't know if they make small swords, but even if you just did it in the regular sword size, which is like a foot long or 18, probably 18 inches long, um, <clears throat> those things are so inexpensive and so tasty, and you can use the same sort of accompaniments we were just talking about, but with kebab, let's say it's, it's ground uh, lamb, which is a great way to use ground lamb, uh, uh, an egg per pound of meat, a little bit like say even a couple of tablespoons of panko, uh, bread, Japanese breadcrumb per, per pound of meat. I like chili powder in mine, which is obviously not Persian, but I love the flavor of chili powder. I do put saffron in, um, a little bit of yogurt as well. So uh, a low fat, really excellent quality yogurt, a little bit of that in the mix and salt good salt, good pepper. You always want to test one on a little pan on the stove before you commit to it. You know, you don't want to end up, you know, doing this force meat or doing this, this, this kebab and packing it onto the sword and getting ready to grill it and not realizing that, oh, geez, I didn't put enough salt in there. Really? That's just awful. So do a little tester, which is always a treat for the cook. Anyway, you know, that's. Can, can I break in there for one second? Sure. On a tangent. Mm -hmm. So you tell me you don't like burgers but you wax poetically about kebab that's all i'm that's all that's you don't have to address it that's all i'm saying <laughs> i love ground so, meat i guess i just don't like it in the form of a burger i like it in other oh, forms it's so weird well that was the other thing i was saying almost I, I was criminal like, i'm like oh we could make little meatballs too you know you can make little meatballs out of that exact same mixture yes. and then you have these little meatballs on a tray and you put a little you know toothpick guy in there and oh my gosh i mean those are just treats and they just pop those you don't, you don't need a sauce for a meatball i mean you don't have to have an accompaniment you could but i mean you could just pass around little meatballs that are delicious and just you pop it in your mouth and it's easy to eat and you know that makes a good past hors d'oeuvre well a lot of times you kind of cut out the middleman you heat something heat it up in a sauce mm -hmm. and spirit you know that's mm -hmm. and there are a million different directions to do that kind of thing in well and also the other thing like mario's zucchini cake oh my gosh I, I talk about that frequently. I'm in love with that thing. And, and, uh, well, or it's yours. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess it, you it came, came up it, with it. So back in puzzle days, we, we, we did it together. It was an idea that happened together. It was for employee meal. We had all the zucchini. I gotten zucchini from the farms. It was deep in the season. And we had those huge rice pans and we had like 60 people working on it. It was a like crazy Saturday. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, we have a lot of zucchini. We've got some big old rice pans. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and let's make tortilla española, basically, you know, and but because you know, it's going to have to sit out. But let's use let's use all the zucchini. So that's really all it came from. The rest well, of that is just 
Mario's executing genius. Well, and the nice thing about that is you can make a big pan of it, cut it into little squares, heat it up, and then, I mean, I wouldn't make it as tall as we do. I mean, I think you need to make it a little shorter for um, an hors d'oeuvre so you can easily, you know, eat it. Um, and, um, yeah, that that's layers of goodness, you know, thin layers of zucchini and cheese, and, yeah, it's just fantastic. So, so something like that. Also, I was thinking – you know, if you want to have sort of the pièce de résistance, the, the whole amazing sort of dish at the end, that paella is such an incredible dish for a big party, you know, for a big party. And I know that takes us out of sort of having something easy, but... Yeah, I mean, you're going to be in the kitchen for... You have Especially to, if you're doing a big one for a long time. So. Right, but that is like a showstopper. Like if you finished your party with a paella and everybody just gathered around, even if it was in your kitchen, and just you know got their plate of paella, I just think that would be a gorgeous way to finish a party like we're talking about um, if you want to end with something spectacular. And you know, something we haven't talked about is barbecue. And you know, we as Americans, we love, we love barbecue and... Um, that is another inexpensive way to feed a lot of people, whether it's pork barbecue, chicken barbecue, beef barbecue, whatever. Um, it can be a great way to feed. And that could also be sort of your your last, the finale to the party. you know. And again, I like the idea of bringing everybody back into the kitchen at the end of the party to be together in one room, if it's if it makes sense, and to have this wonderful dish to kind of punctuate the the, the time together. Yeah, you bring everyone back together. They can see what a mess you made in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we did promise brunch. People have like magical affection for brunch. And it may be and maybe it's just that like, oh, I don't have the same responsibilities. Let's have a very late fluffy breakfast, you know. <laughs> fluffy. <laughs> but 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 that for you know, for like for yourself and that for entertaining are two different things, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're gonna if you're going to sit and and we we will have to take this into the next next segment as well. If you're gonna sit and think about what's important, if we're going to sit and entertain people and not have to get up from the table too many times, mm-hmm. do different things and how do you deal with courses and all that sort of stuff? Let's let's deal with that when we come back on Formidable Phone Food and Wine. Welcome back to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're in the middle of running through parties and celebrations because they're actually starting to happen again. Yay! And so, we landed on brunch. People yeah. love the whole idea of leisurely brunch. Mm-hmm. Now, what, what time does brunch actually start for you? What time would you invite people for brunch? One o'clock. See, that seems crazy to me, but I also get up. Well, so do I. But I wouldn't, I, I don't think anybody wants to have brunch before one o'clock. I mean, well, I mean, I'm sure some people do, but I mean, <laughs> I, I think that you think of brunch as being the later morning experience. Like I, the idea of having brunch at 11 and being ready for it doesn't seem very fun to me, So frankly. So, so, so late in the morning that it's in the afternoon. Yeah. So basically, so, or, you know, 
I guess it depends on who the brunch is for and why, because I'm thinking of something a little bit more formal in my head. But if it was just, you know, my family came to visit, let's say, you know, my birthday and, you know, I have six extra people in my house and they're all family, that means it's more casual and less, you know, formal, obviously. So, you know, if I was doing brunch for them, we would have brunch at 11. That's for sure. But if I was inviting people to come over to my home and I knew I had work I had to do and I knew they probably, well, and also because we're in the restaurant industry, the people I invite would probably be in the restaurant industry. None of them are going to want to be here at 11 o'clock in the morning. So that's, that's, what, that's what it comes down to. Who, who are you entertaining? How are you entertaining? And why? What's the point? Is it a graduation ceremony that, or after a graduation ceremony or after, or is it Easter or, you know? So obviously there's a lot of things up in the air. In general, um, I like the idea of serving a crab soup at a brunch and, you know, something that's light, that has pretty tones to it, finished with a great sherry. Um, Amontillado sherry is, is what I like um, to finish the crab soup with. And it, I would not put a roux in it. I would make sure it was very, very just barely reduced cream with gorgeous local crab, which right now is the most expensive it's ever been in anybody's lifetime, by the way. And it's scarce. So, so we'll make, that an, we'll make make that an asparagus soup. Okay, so we'll make it an <laughs> asparagus soup, which is easily made by sautéing onions and shallots and butter. Do not allow it to caramelize. Do not allow it to color. Just nice and tender. We call it sweated. And add cream, salt, pepper. Let that work for about 20 minutes on a low simmer, stirring frequently. And then add your cleaned up asparagus, meaning that the ends, very ends are absolutely cut off and discarded. The tougher part of the end, um, you can actually use in a soup. And if you want to use the whole piece other than the very end, you're going to have a really nice soup because um, that top is really green and it's going to give you good color. Um, Add the chopped up pieces of beautiful, fresh, local, hopefully asparagus. Let it simmer for about five minutes. You don't want it to cook too long. Um, You don't want it to lose all of its color. Um, and then puree and strain. And I usually strain that soup twice, check it for salt and pepper, and it's super easy. You can probably make it in less than 45 minutes, even with prep time. And um, that's a great first course. Uh, you do, if you're making it ahead, you, which you should, um, you need to cool it down in ice bath so that it, you don't lose its color and then keep it in the refrigerator and then heat it up gently on low heat. So that's a good first course. If you can get crab, a beautiful crab soup, um, it, it just makes everybody happy and I think it's just a great lunch item. Or if you want to make crab cakes, that's a great lunch, a brunch item. But if we wanna do the traditional egg way, I make something between probably what is a frittata and a Spanish tortilla. Um, I really don't know what it's called, what I make. I just like it, my family loves it. Tortata? <laughs> Tortata. <laughs> With garganica. So, um, you know, I, what I do is, and it's, I can easily do it in a large saute pan, um, and you want a stainless steel saute pan, heavy bottom, good quality eggs. You know, we're getting local eggs that are absolutely unbelievable and will make one of the best egg dishes ever because of their high protein content and the egg yolk and the freshness of the egg. I mean, it's just a, 
a shocking difference how delicious your egg dishes will be with these incredible Truly. products. Yeah. Um, so I, I whisk the eggs. I usually do three per person, which makes a nice portion um, because we think of an omelet as traditionally being a three egg omelet. So this is, this is whatever this is, this open tortilla thing. And um, I do a small dice of Yukon gold potatoes that I have already blanched off in boiling salted water and cooled down. And I usually um, add some sort of English cheddar. Uh, so now we've gone into another realm of culture. I, I don't know. I just, yeah. And you could certainly add other things like a little ground sausage meat or little pieces of bacon that have been, you know, browned off. And you could, I wouldn't put big pieces of bacon in there, but you could put little tiny pieces. You could obviously put mushrooms in there. But anyway, I just do potatoes, the eggs, and the cheese on top. And what I do is I, I scramble, I, I move them around in the pan like I'm scrambling them, I'm shaking the pan the whole time. And once it just begins to really set, the whole shebang is setting, I pop it, I put the cheese on top, the potatoes are already in it near the end. I put the cheese, lay the cheese in a pretty pattern on top, and I put it in a 350 degree oven for about three or four minutes. It, it puffs up, and if you serve that right away, oh my goodness, that is absolutely delicious. And obviously, to me, a green salad comes to mind with that. You know, a great traditional French vinaigrette, red wine vinegar, Dijon, a good, a decent olive oil or a good neutral oil, um, a nice green salad with local lettuces, or you could have, you know, a, a, a tray of radishes and turnips cut and laid out. You could have, or you could do something exotic like doing prosciutto or uh, Iberico I'm, ham. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop you right there at the prosciutto. Okay. okay. Because I'm going to give you a, an, another brunch idea that's very concise. <laughs> that that is that is my all-time like sleeper easy okay. brunch. And now what you just described, uh, a bottle of very light Beaujolais Village might be nice with. Oh, good. Uh, you know that 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 kind of thing would be really charming, or a Pinot Blanc from Alsace if you want something maybe a tiny bit off dry. Um, I'm thinking of something a little more Italian, so. I'd have my antipasti laid on the tables. Was when you said prosciutto is what cued me. So whether that's a, a big plate of prosciutto, um, whatever fruit's in season. So right now there'll be a lot of strawberries laid out in a bowl on the table. Everything separately. Uh, olives, maybe cherignolas, maybe tagiases, but laid out on the table. Bread. You, you have mm -hmm. to have mm -hmm. good bread. Definitely. And even better than that, bruschetta. So grill them very lightly. Put them on the table, olive oils on the table. You need a piece of cheese, nothing strong, uh, something mellow, good flavor, good richness, maybe Fontina Valdosta, some slices of that on the table. Now people can sit down, they can start playing with these things. White wine from, uh, from the north is easy in that kind of situation. So it, that honestly is a place for Pinot Grigio, but a good one uh, from the Alto Arige would be super charming in that situation. Mm, that sounds good. Because you're going to take four minutes and make uh, carbonara, whether ah, it's with whether it's with yum. spaghetti or a tagliatelle, right? <laughs> so, but think about it. I mean, it's... you Eggs and bacon. It's eggs and bacon <laughs> and pasta right. and cheese. Uh -huh. Exactly how do like you improve that. on that for happiness? You don't. I you know, carbonara. you don't. Yeah. Mm, yum, yum. Yeah. You, you need a bottle of red wine that's a very geeky, not expensive bottle of red wine that's going to go with that relatively cool. Uh, the grape is Cesanese. Um, and if you're lucky, you can find some from a producer named Damiano 
Coley. Um, they're, they're super, and like I said, not a big piece of money. At most, uh, the regular bottling from those guys is like 20 bucks on, on the shelf in the store. But carbonara, whether you make it with fresh spaghetti or if you you know, cook the, the pasta off in advance a little bit, uh, you never want it completely done when you're going to add that mixture to it. You need like a minute, maybe two, for the eggs to cook and for, for everything to work. Mm-hmm. And, and there are plenty of recipes for, for carbonara. But, uh, and, and in the bacon spot, you could use lots of things. You could use duck bacon, turkey bacon, um, you know, some kind of hickory smoked. Pancetta or guanciale are probably the two that I would want the most. Yeah, the guanciale. Mm-hmm. And is that, that more basso kind of flavor? Mm-hmm. But that, now that's a brunch. You know, like everyone, they can walk in, they can sit, they have stuff to eat, and boom, I can feed them. Yeah, that's that's good. You know? Good and quick. Well, and egg then, dishes are egg dishes are good and quick too, so that's fun. Well, they, mm-hmm. and they, like cookies that you'd made, amaretti, something like that. You know, that's easy. Mm-hmm. That's easy. Yeah. Now, if it's Italians, that quick brunch is going to take three and a half hours. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, that'd be that would be fun, you know. And I like the idea of people feeling comfortable that the wine is on the table. You pour yourself a glass. Yeah. It's not so service oriented, you know. It's like. Even if you're not family, you're family, okay? You yeah, come here, yeah. we're going to act like we're all family and we're going to enjoy ourselves and we're all going to kind of pitch in. And I love that. I, 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 that's just a beautiful Sunday. So exactly. And that's relaxed too. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's do, we, we have a little time to do, to, to do the dinner party. The sun mm-hmm. actually set mm-hmm. and I have people for that. So just five minutes let's let's do the dinner party okay so what what are good first courses what are good main courses what do you think one of the easier things you could do for a first course is something that's already prepared and that would be a terrine and it could either be a, a meat terrine a seafood terrine a vegetable terrine so i'm going to talk about a seafood terrine and that is with big eye tuna tomatoes and basil and it is something I made for the first time a very, very long time ago. We still had the patio outside uh, the restaurant where the Palm Room actually is now. Um, we built an indoor space, and that's how long ago it was. And what you do is the terrine is the French terrine mold. That's what terrine means. It's, it's the actual vessel for the force meat or whatever you're making. And um, you would line, I would just brush it with a little bit of olive oil and then put plastic wrap in line it with plastic wrap and have enough to hang over the sides and the ends and you get excellent quality i mean this is raw so it has to be top-notch tuna and you slice it in about i would say about a quarter inch thickness and you lay the first layer is the tuna in the bottom of the terrine you lightly um, you add kosher salt and a little bit of pepper and just brush it with a tiny bit, very tiny bit of extra virgin olive oil. And then the next layer is basil, which will then stick to that. And then the next layer are excellent ripe red tomatoes. And those have to be the same thickness as the tuna. And then you season that, again, just a tiny bit of extra virgin olive oil, and you go to the next layer. And you do it all the way to the top of the terrine. And then you pull the plastic wrap over the top of the terrine and cover it and then you weigh it down, um, bricks are actually typically the exact right size of the terrine mold. So if you have bricks, you want to clean them, obviously, wrap them in plastic, wrap them in foil so that they won't come in direct contact with the food product. And um, what you do is you take, you know, again, 
a clean cardboard box. You cut the cardboard to be the same exact size as the top of the terrine mold where the food product is, not the outside size, but the inside size. You wrap that in plastic and foil. You put that on top of the food product. You put the brick on top of that and you put it in the refrigerator and you press it for 24 hours. And um, oh my gosh, you won't believe how delicious this is. It's not hard to do. Uh, as long as you have brilliant product, it will be brilliant. And then I make a dressing with a little bit, a couple tablespoons of really good aged sherry vinegar, um, a little, like 50% really light, extra rich, good extra virgin olive oil and corn oil and um, um, uh, goat cheese. So sherry vinegar, oil, goat cheese, puree it in the food processor. And you, you only add a little bit of oil. It's maybe a couple of tablespoons for, let's say a cup of goat cheese and like maybe a teaspoon of vinegar. Taste it if it needs, I've never measured it. Taste it if you feel like it needs a little bit more vinegar, add it, don't add more oil. Um, and that should be, and if it's, if it's too thick, add a tiny bit of water to thin it out to sort of dressing viscosity or the correct this thickness. And the other thing for this plate, frisee is the perfect garnish. So the goat cheese and sherry vinaigrette, the terrine with the tomato and the basil, and a little bit of frisee to garnish. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. You can, you know, once you pull it out of the terrine mold, you can slice these gorgeous slices. And I mean, that will knock people's socks off, I think. You know, and it's delicious. And it's healthy. You left a little bit of time for main course. Oh. Um. <laughs> uh. All right, your dinner party only has the first course. Well, t to me, what's you natural? You pick the last course. It's easy. You 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 do a Fiorentina. Okay, oh. it's getting warmer outside. It's nice outside. Really prepare your grill, whatever kind of grill you have, really well for a big, long burning, you know, nice white 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 ember fire, and. Uh, Get some very big T-bone steaks. When I say very big, I mean like 36 ounce. Oh, my gosh. Season them very well, <laughs> uh, meaning rub, rubbing them with, with plenty of salt, like crunchy salt, right? sea salt, and black pepper, and grill them patiently to get them to temperature. If you prepared whatever vegetable is nice to you in season. For me right now, I mean, this time of the year, I think about mushrooms, so maybe the porcinis, uh, uh, some artichoke bottoms, um, mm -hmm. little baby carrots, uh, baby beets, mm -hmm. chipotle onions. You're going to do a big saute of those guys. You have them all prepared and blanched. Saute, a little fineherb, you know, extra virgin olive oil, boom, that's on the plate. When, you, when you've tended those steaks carefully, it's a very simple cooking operation kind of situation. When you tended those carefully, you rest it. Put foil on the steak when you rest it. Um, you probably want, if you're figuring you want a yield of six to eight ounces per person, you can probably expect on a T-bone that of the weight, 65% is usable, something like that. So you can do the math. And you can size it as you wish, but I mean, I do like the big guys because mm -hmm. you get a really nice enchari on the outside and, and it can stay very rare inside. Um, and then once you've rested it long enough to not be cold but cool and the blood is not going to come rushing out when you cut it, then you make your slices. And you have, you know, different cuts of meat to put on the tray from each side of the T-bone. Mm -hmm. But that, if you're plating, you, 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 can either, you can either put a bowl of the vegetables and, 
and a platter of the the steaks that literally you slice one at a time and let them get passed around yeah or if you want it to be fancier you can plate it individually but mm -hmm. it's also very attractive very easy quick plate up and all you need is rosemary crushed in like a mortar and pestle with really good extra virgin olive oil and a little bit of crunchy salt and like a drop or two of of wine vinegar and Cindy, we've irresponsibly left ourselves no time for treats, no time for sweets. <laughs> no dessert. So we're, we're, so we're going to have to have, we have to, we're going to have to promise a pastry program coming up. Okay. Yeah, that'll be fun. If you want to listen to this program or any one of our other episodes, go to the WYPR website, look up the podcast for Foreman a Wolf on the Foreman Wolf page, and download to your heart's content. If you want to email, correspond with us, uh, foremanwolf at WYPR.org. To follow Chef Cindy Wolf on social media. You can follow me on Instagram as Cindy Wolf and on Facebook and Twitter as Chef Cindy Wolf. And my intermittent Instagram mm -hmm. is the real Tony Foreman. Thank you guys very much for listening. Happy Sunday. <laughs>